Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. I grew up in an era of what I call the real heavyweights. Joe Frazier, Muhammad Ali, George Foreman. I remember the fight of the century that took place in 1971. I was 10 years old. It was in Madison Square Garden. It was between um, jumping Joe Frazier, smoking Joe Frazier, and Muhammad Ali. It went 15 rounds, and it ended with a unanimous decision. Joe Frazier won. Then I remember the, the fight, the rumble in the jungle in 1974 between George Foreman, big George Foreman, and Muhammad Ali. And that fight ended in the eighth round. Muhammad Ali knocked out George Foreman. And I remember in 1975, the thriller in Manila between Muhammad Ali. It was a rematch between Muhammad Ali and, and Joe Frazier again. And, and that time, Muhammad Ali won at the end of the 14th round by a technical knockout. The, Joe Frazier wanted to continue to fight, but his corner called the fight. Afterwards, it was said that that Muhammad Ali said, Joe Frazier just quit before I did. I, I remember those fights. It seemed like during those days, those fighters weren't just intent on winning the fight. They were intent on destroying one another. On killing one another. And that takes me to another fight that I want us to focus on for the next three weeks. This fight took place over 2,000 years ago. It was a fight between Jesus and, and the religious leaders of his day. The fight lasted for nearly three years and it ended in death. But it ultimately ended in life. It's a fight that's continuing to go on today. A fight between Jesus and, and religion. A, a fight that is man's best effort to please God. Man's best effort to earn God's favor. And then in the other corner we have Jesus, the only way to please God. The only way to earn God's favor. You see, religion is all about rules. Following rules, obeying rules. Jesus is all about relationship. Religion says that I must do this to please God. Jesus says it's already been done. And so for the next three weeks, we're going to look at three stories in the life of Jesus where Jesus clashed, fought with the religious leaders of his day. Now, the first story we're going to focus on is about Jesus and the Sabbath. And this particular story is told in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel. And so, for the sake of better understanding the story, we're going to look at all three. Now, let's begin with Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 12. Listen to what God's Word says. At about that time, Jesus was... Walking through some grain fields on the Sabbath, his disciples were hungry. So they began breaking off some heads of the grain and eating them. But some Pharisees saw them do it and protested. Look, 
Your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and they broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priest on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there is one here who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a man to to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so that they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. And then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored just like the other one. Notice what it says. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how to kill Jesus. Now turn over one book to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, and I want us to start reading in verse 23, and we're going to go into chapter 3, verse 6. Listen to what it says. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus said to them, Haven't you ever read in the Scriptures where David What David did when he and his companions were hungry, he went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest and he broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that that only the priests were allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Now, if you've got a pen, if you've got a highlighter, and you underline in your Bible, underline that phrase. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not the people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Jesus went to the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man, come, stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. He looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. And then notice what it says. At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Now turn over one more book to Luke, Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 5. 
or excuse me, Luke chapter 6. And in Luke chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse 1. And so listen to what it says. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples broke off heads of grain, rubbed off the husk in their hands, and ate the grain. But some Pharisees said, why are you breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Jesus replied, haven't you read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priest can eat. He also gave some to his companions. And Jesus added, the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. On another Sabbath day, a man with a deformed right hand was in the synagogue while Jesus was teaching. The teachers of religious law and the Pharisees watched Jesus closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew their thoughts. He said to the man with the deformed hand, come, stand in front of everyone. So the man came forward. Then Jesus said to his critics, I have a question for you. Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or destroy it? He looked around at them one by one and then said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. At this, the enemies of Jesus were wild with rage and began to discuss what to do with him. So let's recap the story. It was the Sabbath and Jesus and his disciples were walking through a grain field. Evidently, it was around dinner time or around lunch time because his disciples were hungry. And so as they were walking through the grain field, they would break off some of the heads of grain. They would wrap it together like that and they would put the grain in their mouth and they would eat it. Well, lo and behold, there were some Pharisees there as Jesus and his disciples were walking through this grain field. Now, you may be asking, why were the Pharisees there? Well, most likely because they had already made the decision that they were going to follow Jesus everywhere. They had already made the decision that they were going to do whatever they could to destroy this man named Jesus. I mean, from the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he clashed with these religious leaders. When Jesus came out of the wilderness from being tempted and he went back to his hometown, one of the first things he did is he went into a synagogue. He took the scrolls, the sacred scriptures. He read from Isaiah 61 and he said, Today this prophecy has been fulfilled in, this, in my life. Jesus was saying that, that what they read in Isaiah 61 was fulfilled in Jesus. And, and the Bible says that the religious leaders took offense at that. And they began to plot to kill Jesus. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that those religious leaders in his own hometown followed him out of the synagogue and tried to push him off of a cliff and kill him. A little bit later, Jesus went to the temple. He did this twice at the beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. But he went into the temple and, and as he did, he saw that they had made the temple, the, the house of God, a place of worship, a, a place of prayer. They had made it into a business. And Jesus came in and he overturned the tables of the money changers. And in doing that, he, he overturned 
what these religious leaders were doing. And shortly after that, Jesus saw this man who who was paralyzed. His friends brought him to Jesus, and, and Jesus didn't immediately heal him. Before Jesus ever healed him, he he met his greatest need, which is for forgiveness. Jesus looked at this man. He knew that he needed forgiveness. And Jesus said, your sins have been forgiven. And, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And so understand, these religious leaders had already clashed with Jesus. And they were doing everything they could to destroy Jesus. And so as these religious leaders saw Jesus' disciples break off grain and begin to eat it, they began to make these accusations against Jesus and Jesus' disciples. They were breaking the Sabbath laws. Now let's stop for just a minute. Because if you're going to understand this passage, you need to understand the Sabbath. And you need to understand that the Sabbath did not originate with The law. The Sabbath originated with creation. God created the world in six days. And the Bible says on the seventh day, God rested. And God from that moment on established the Sabbath. You say, how do you know that? Because we see the Sabbath referred to before the law was ever given... In Exodus chapter 20. You see God established this whole idea of the Sabbath from the very beginning. And then he confirmed its importance in the law. Now listen to what he says about the Sabbath in Exodus 20. He says remember the Sabbath day by by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor even the aliens within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now this was serious. God had more to say about this command than any other command that he gave. And so this is vitally important. Later on, a couple of chapters later in Exodus 20, God made it clear that if you broke the Sabbath, you were to be put to death. This was a big, big deal. You need to remember the Sabbath. You need to keep it holy. You need to set it apart. It is a special day. Now now notice what he says under the law. He begins, first of all, by giving us a positive. He says, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, set it apart. It is a distinct day, different from all the others. Then he gives us a negative. He says, don't work. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, set it apart, and don't work. And then he gives us an example. He said, even I, God, created everything out of nothing in six days. But on the seventh day, even I, God, rested. And so God gives us this refresher course on creation, showing us the importance of the Sabbath. 
So what is the Sabbath? Well, the Hebrew word Sabbath literally means to sever or put to an end. And so for six days God worked, but then on the seventh day God ceased work. He put an end to work. The word Sabbath came to mean rest. And so when God created us from the very beginning, God knew that each and every one of us needs a day of rest. Each and every one of us needs a time out. Each and every one of us needs a day that we set apart from every other day where we say we're not going to be involved in the hustle and bustle of life on this day. We're going to set this day aside so that we can be rejuvenated, so that we can be refreshed. And yet, the religious leaders in Jesus' day had created a a system of laws, multiple rules, on how you were to obey the Sabbath. How you were to celebrate your day of rest. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And they came up with 39 specific things. You cannot do these things on the Sabbath. Now understand, they had taken a day that was a blessing, a day of rest from work, a a day that was meant to, to be a day where we don't have burdens, and they made it into a burden. They took a day that was to be free from burdens, and they burdened us down with our cans and our cans. You see, the problem wasn't that they had broken God's law. They hadn't broken God's law. The problem was they had broken the religious leader's interpretation of the law. And so notice what Jesus did. Jesus took them to Scripture. And he gave them three clear examples from Scripture of how people trump tradition how people are even more important than the law he said god didn't make man for the sabbath god made the sabbath for man and then he said this he said the son of man is lord even of the sabbath now i want you to remember those two those are vital to understanding this clash that jesus had with these religious leaders The Sabbath wasn't, or man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And and the Son of Man, he is Lord even of the Sabbath. And so Jesus is there in the grain field. And then he goes to the synagogue. And the synagogue was a place of worship. You had the temple and then you had the synagogue. And, And when he went into the synagogue, the religious leaders were watching him. Their desire was to catch him working on the Sabbath. And And as they were having this service, Jesus noticed this man with the deformed hand. And they asked Jesus. They look at the man with the deformed hand. They point him out and and they said, is it lawful to heal this man on the Sabbath? Now, in their traditions, in their interpretation of the law, this would have been work. You can't work on the Sabbath. And, And so 
They were hoping to catch Jesus breaking the Sabbath laws again. And instead of answering their question, Jesus turned the question back on them. And he said, if you had a sheep that was walking and that sheep fell into a well, would you leave that sheep in the well on the Sabbath day? Or would you do everything you could to rescue the sheep and get it out of the well? And then Jesus answered the question because they wouldn't. Jesus said, surely you would do everything you could to rescue your sheep. And then Jesus said that man, people are more important than animals. And he reached out and he healed the man's hand. And in every single instance, in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, the Bible tells us that they were wild with rage. And they began to plot how to kill Jesus. Now here's the bottom line truth. I want you to write this in. I want you to fill in the blank. Religion puts tradition first. While Jesus puts people first. Religion puts tradition first. Jesus puts people first. Now listen. I want you to hear my heart. I want you to understand what I'm saying. There's nothing wrong with tradition. Traditions can't be good. And many, perhaps most of our traditions originated, began with good intentions. But Jesus made it clear that people were more valuable than any of our man-made traditions. You see, God never gave us laws to burden us down. God gave us laws from the very beginning to bless us and keep us safe. Laws were given by God kind of like guardrails on a mountain road. You have guardrails on a mountain road not to keep you from enjoying the side of the mountain. You have guardrails to keep you from driving off the side of the mountain. And God gave us his laws in the word to be guardrails in our life so that he could bless us and keep us safe and we could enjoy life. Now take the Sabbath. You see, its intent was to give God's people a day of rest, a a day to celebrate the creator, a day to celebrate creation, a a day to unwind, a day to refresh. God didn't create us to work, 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 and work and, and not rest. God said every seventh day, I am commanding you to stop, to take your mind off your work, to take your mind off of your obligations and focus your attention on me. You see, the Sabbath was was made for man, for people, not, not people for the Sabbath. It's not about maintaining our traditions. It's, it's all about people. And yet, what we have a tendency to do is create systems of do's and don'ts, cans and can'ts, and, and we religiously follow them. When I was growing up, we had our system of cans and can'ts, on Sunday, 
I mean, there were certain things that we could do on Sunday, and there were certain things we could not do on Sunday. I mean, we could not go to the movie theater on Sunday. Oh, God forbid. I mean, even if it was Billy Graham, we'd have to wait until Monday. I mean, there were certain things you did. There were certain things you didn't do on Sundays. And we have done that in every area of life. Let's be honest. If we want to be right with God, then we have to do certain things. Amen? And if we want to be right with God, there are certain things we can't do. Amen? And we create our systems of do's and don'ts and cans and can'ts and we work and we work and we work and we work some more to make sure that we are right with God. We make sure that we're doing our cans and we're not doing our can'ts. And at the end of the day, we're worn out and we are burdened down more than ever before. And that takes us to the second truth Jesus said. He said, the Son of Man is is Lord of the Sabbath. Well, what Jesus is saying is that you've made the Sabbath a master. You've turned this blessing into a master that is controlling and directing and dictating your life. But then he says, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He said, I'm the one that needs to be the focus. He is saying that that you you are sitting back having all of these rules and regulations and you're following them trying to find this This rest when the only way that you're going to ever truly find rest is in me. Hear me. You're never going to find rest from the things you do. You're never going to find rest from the things that you don't do. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that the religious leaders were tying up heavy loads on men's shoulders. And that's what religion does. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about the Sabbath or the Sunday. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about drinking or smoking. It doesn't matter really what we're talking about. All too often we create this system of rules and regulations and we think that somehow, some way, if we follow the system and we check the boxes, then we're going to feel good and we're going to have rest and we never will because religion always binds us. Religion always burdens us down. And yet Jesus came to set us free. In Matthew 11... As the chapter is ending, right before we read these two stories about the Sabbath, Jesus said this. I want you to listen. These were the last words in Matthew before we read about Jesus and his disciples going into the grain field. Then Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. 
Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And my burden I give is light. He talks about how you can find rest before we ever enter into the story about the day of rest. And Jesus is trying to tell us that that we don't find rest for our weary souls in keeping rules and following regulations and, and doing the do's and not doing the don'ts. We find rest in Jesus. You see, that's where many people misunderstand the Sabbath. For us today, the Sabbath is not just about ceasing activity. The, the Sabbath is not about, not about vegetating in front of the TV or, or going out fishing or going out hunting or whatever it may be to rest our minds and rest our body. No, the Sabbath is all about finding rest in Him. Jesus is the only one who can give us rest. As long as you are trying to please God by the things you do. And that's what religion tells you to do. You're going to be burdened down. But when you come to that place through an act of his spirit, and I want to tell you, there's something supernatural about it. But when you come to that place through an act of his spirit where you understand it's not about what you do, it's about what he did. And you rest in him. You discover a peace that passes understanding. You, you discover that, that he has taken your burden, your sin burden upon himself. You discover that he loves you in spite of how you perform. You discover that, that your acceptance by him is not based upon what you do. It's based upon who he is. When you come to that realization and his spirit comes to live in you, everything changes. So what is the application? Let me give you several things, okay? These are on your note sheet. You need to write them down. You're going to be emailing me saying, what did you say? And I'm going to say, I'm not telling you. You're going to have to pull it up on the website and listen to it again. I'm sorry. No. But you need to write this down. Let me give you several things that, I mean, I think are applicable to us. One, always check your traditions with Scripture. Always check your traditions with Scripture. All too often, we get caught up in our do's and don'ts. And if we're honest, sometimes our do's and our don'ts aren't found in Scripture. And you're never going to be able to check what God says about an issue unless you're in God's Word on a regular basis. So always check your traditions with Scripture. Second, Focus your attention on who's in the mirror, not who's in front of you. That's what the Pharisees did. They were watching him 
closely is what it says in Mark's gospel. They were looking for an opportunity to accuse him. And that's what some of us have a tendency to do. We sit here on Sunday morning and, and the preacher preaches and, and this races through our mind. Boy, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this. You ever thought that? We're focusing on who's in front of us. We're focusing on who's beside us. We're focusing on who we know rather than who's in the mirror. And that's what the religious leaders did. They were always focusing on other people. And I got to tell you, I have a hard enough time keeping myself straight. I don't have time to police you. And you don't have time to police other people. Third, Jesus came to remove burdens, not add them. If your idea of following Jesus has become a burden to you, something is wrong. If coming to church on Sunday is a burden, something is wrong. Jesus never intended to add burdens on us. Jesus intended to take burdens off of us. Fourth, people matter more than our traditions. The story of David going into the temple and taking the showbread, David broke the law. Jesus even said that. And yet people trumped even the law. God's more concerned about people and restoring people and meeting the true needs of people than he is about proclaiming the law. And then finally, everything is about Jesus. Everything. He is the one who can give rest. Does that mean that if you give your life to Jesus, you're not changed. Does that mean that when you come to follow Jesus, there aren't things that you should do and there are things that you shouldn't do? No, that's not what it means. There are things that I will not do as a follower of Jesus. I'm not going to run around and cheat on my wife. I'm, I'm not going to go out and, and get drunk. I, I'm not going to do certain things. There are things that I'm going to do as a follower of Jesus. I want to read this book. I want to pray. I want to tell other people about the grace and the mercy that I've experienced in him. But listen, those things aren't out of obligation. Those things aren't out of responsibility. Those things are out of love. And when we get to the point where, where it's all about checking off boxes... We've missed it because it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the one who can forgive you. Jesus is the one who can set you free. Jesus is the one who can take your burdens off of you. Jesus is the one who can give you peace and hope and joy. And he is the only one 
A religious formula won't do it. Following the rules won't do it, but Jesus will. So where are you? Are you trying desperately to be a rule keeper? Or have you fallen deeply in love with the one who can give rest? I want you to bow your head with me. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. I cannot but believe that there are some even here this morning in our 915 service that have been trying desperately to please God by what you do. And if you would be honest right now, you would have to admit that you are miserable inside. And the reason is because rules will not bring rest. Jesus brings rest. Come to me all who are weary, who are heavy laden, and I will give rest to your soul. So if you're tired of trying, which is what religion says, and you realize it's time to trust, which is what Jesus calls us to do, then I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right now. Dear Jesus, I am tired of trying to please you. I feel like such a failure. Over and over, I realize that my best efforts aren't good enough. Over and over, I realize that my righteousness is like a filthy rag can't do it tired of trying forgive me today I'm turning it all over to you my salvation my life my relationships my career, everything is yours. I'm just trusting you and your love, your mercy, and your forgiveness to change me, to save me. I believe your word. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the grave. You took my burden so I could have rest. Fill me with your spirit. Take absolute control, I pray. Amen.